0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of SIDCast, the intro music you just heard. You can thank our guest, John Rubin, for that from the University of Florida. So, uh, Welcome to another episode. As I said, this is the second, I believe, COSIDA recap that we've had, first one. Uh, you guys seem to really enjoy that with Sterling Randall. Um, i getting a lot of good feedback from that. And I know a lot of people have inquired, whether it be email or direct message to me or uh, at SportsInfoCast on Twitter. Uh, asking John and I to expand upon our uh, presentation at CoSIDA on podcasting. So this is the how-to podcast-ish type of episode that we have. So, uh, John, hi. Thank you for being able to come on.
1: Thanks for having me, Dave. Happy to
0: do it. Let's do some housekeeping things real quick. Uh, sure. First of all, thank you for downloading, subscribing, um, rating, and reviewing. I say it every single episode, but um, that's kind of important so that when uh, – the algorithm on iTunes, the way that it works, if you search it, it'll pop up sooner or something like that. Unless, that's, that's something that's very important, something that needs to be done. So, if you, I mean, it just takes a couple, maybe not even a couple minutes to give me a five-star or one-star. I don't really care, but, um, yeah, any rating is very, very much appreciated. And, uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, using backslash sportsinfocast. And... Last thing, John, then we'll we'll get to here, I promise. I know I have a lot of housekeeping things. So last thing, we're doing our push to 500 followers on both Twitter and Facebook as part of our uh, first of, I believe, I posted four goals for SIDCast for the summer. Uh, The first one would be to reach 500 followers. Next one is to have a website, which will be done hopefully in the next two weeks. And then the third is possibly create merchandise, for those of you that have inquired about that, that say... I'm gonna hold you to it. I know there's a couple of you that said you'd wear the crap out of an SID cast shirt, so I'm I'm hoping you would actually order it because I don't want me and my family just to wear it. That'd be kind of weird. But um, yeah. Final thing would be to launch our second podcast. Uh, so yeah, those are a couple goals. So share around, and um, yeah, let's hit those. So, John. All right, I'm done, John. We we can start talking now.
1: No, that's fine. While you were talking, I went ahead and I'm following you right now cuz I am not one of your followers. John, on Twitter, so as of this second, I'm now following SIDcast. So, you're closer to your goal now.
0: Hey, thanks. I just got a little notification on the bottom of my screen. Good thing it didn't make any noise. I didn't really check about that. I didn't check anything <laughs> on my computer. See, we're not pro- I'm not a professional podcaster. And we're doing a how to podcast episode, but first of all like like we we usually do on every single episode is I wanna to get to your background so john how how did you come to your position at the University of Florida? So spare no detail uh I just got the notification on my phone. look at that um so yeah, just tell your story. I mean people enjoy those types of stories so so what's been going sure. on? So I uh,
1: attended the University of Florida as a student from 2000 until 2004, graduated in May 2004 with a bachelor's degree in telecommunications with a focus in production. So telecommunications is what they essentially call the broadcasting degree here in Gainesville. So I graduated in May and said, oh geez, what am I going to do now? didn't have a great plan, hung out in Gainesville for the summer, started to kind of get my act together, apply for jobs in a Entry-level producer position opened up in the athletic department at the University. And I said, shoot, i got nothing to lose. By applying, I'm already here. Let's see what happens. So, went through that whole process and fortunately got brought on board in August of 2004 with the athletic department at Florida uh, as a producer in the GatorVision department. Um, And it's grown and evolved since then. I've been fortunate enough to kind of move up the ladder um, into more of an administrative management type role here at Florida. Overseeing the Gator Vision Department and our multimedia operation along the way, uh dabbled a little bit in uh, managing our website, uh, was known GatorZone.com, now FloridaGators.com. I actually got the Gators started on social media. I was the first ever Facebook fan, okay. uh, which then became a like uh, a little while later. So there's well over a million followers on that page, and I was number one, so I take pride in that. Um, so. I've kind of moved around a little bit, you know. Started out just video and got involved in streaming and things like that, and then uh, a little bit of live production, transitioned a little bit, added some things in my role, as I mentioned, with some of our web uh, and social uh, management for a couple of years. Then gave that back up, focused more strictly on our video operation and the division operation of Florida. Is uh, you know, we're busy year-round. We got 21 sports in Florida. All of them are highly successful, um, with rare exceptions, and they keep us busy. So, uh, you know, right now as we record this, our baseball team just went 2-0 in the College World Series in Omaha, and we've got a couple staff members out there uh, getting ready to cover our team for what's hopefully another few games out there. And softball just finished up the Women's College World Series a couple weeks ago, and the men's track team just won the national title a couple weeks ago. And, you know, we're, we got stuff, you know, going on year-round here. So, I'm at my desk a lot more than I once was and wish I could be more hands-on, but I still get to do some pretty cool things, and I'm involved in a really cool program here in Gainesville. So just uh, fortunate to be a Gator.
0: I-, I didn't want to mention this beforehand, but I'm kind of a Louisville fan, and uh, College World Series is something I don't want to talk about with you. So we're That's, just...
1: fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I got my one mention in. I'm good. That
0: uh, works for me. Um did you? I have a couple of questions based off of what you said, but did you ever attend any Florida games when you were uh, an undergrad?
1: Oh, sure. When I was an undergrad, I went to every single football game. Uh, I think I maybe missed one football game at home in my four years. That was really important to me. Um, I grew up a big Ohio State fan. I was born in Columbus, Ohio. So um, I actually grew up a fan of big time football in college and big time athletic programs, which is part of the reason I ended up at Florida. just wanted to be around big time sports teams and Florida offered that obviously. So I went to, uh, football games all the time. I went to a few handful of other sports. I actually did not go to that many basketball games until my senior year when I actually covered the basketball team for the, uh, local ESPN radio affiliate, um, which is staffed primarily by students. So, uh, ended up attending a ton of men's basketball games my final year. Um, but, I mean, I loved following the Gators when I was in school, and it didn't matter the team. You know, I'd read the student newspaper and um, the websites at the time and be keeping
0: up with everything, um, even if I wasn't physically at the events. So, you say that you were the first official uh, fan, or you got the first official like. Uh, what was that discussion like within your athletic department when you guys said that we need to be on social media, and how how did you kind of Grow that as social media evolved.
1: I'm trying to remember the exact year that we, you know, dove in. We were not the first athletic program to have a Facebook page or Twitter account. Uh, In fact, Twitter, especially, we were a little slower to get to to dive in there. Um, But I, you know, I keep up with industry trends and how things are evolving, and media consumption, and uh, how things are going, and soft. I've been joined Facebook as soon as I could when it came to Florida. This was back when Facebook still was only open to like universities and individual universities yeah. at the time, right? So I joined in I think 2004, my senior year of college, and then obviously it grew and grew. So it must have been 2008 or nine, I think, finally when we started our Facebook page. Um, and I just said, hey, this is a great way to reach our fan base. We are so reliant on our website um, to get all of our information out. And I said, here's this awesome tool that so many people are on where we can reach our fans in another way and maybe even a more direct way than expecting them to go to our website or just hoping that they hear a promotion or see an ad and end up at our website um, and be thinking of that. So that was my main push internally, like, hey, this is a great new free tool to reach all of our our fans. we got to dive in. So Facebook was the first one we jumped in on. Uh, Twitter came after that. Um, And then obviously through the years we've gotten involved in all the other social platforms as well.
0: What was GatorVision like when you first joined?
1: Oh, man. When, we, when I first joined GatorVision, I was one of three full-time employees. There was one full-time postgraduate intern. Now we're up to about 10 people on that staff in the span of you know, 12, 13 years. Um, we were all working, literally we are all working in one room um, in the football stadium in the same hallway shared by the visiting team locker room. Uh, if, you had, if you didn't know where we were, you would think that we worked in like a dungeon in a forgotten right. part of the football stadium. The people would come to our office and say, you guys work here? Like, yeah, we work here. So we did some pretty impressive things out of that, <laughs> that dungeon in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Um, that space has since been converted into some other, uh, for other use. But, um, you know, it, we, we were a small staff and this was right when streaming video was kind of getting going back in 2005 or so. Um, and we were streaming things on a very limited basis. Um, we are covering all of our sports teams, and we still do that stuff just on a much larger and grander scale with a lot more people. Um, so it's it's interesting to see you know, how things have gone as our, with our department. It's one of those departments where I always say, if you work in the accounting department, you've got some more interesting tools and more efficient tools and things like that to make your job better over the last decade, but your the nature of your job has not changed a ton. If you're working in a Collegiate athletics video department, or a media relations department, you know, marketing department, ticket office. That it, the amount that it's changed and evolved in the last ten years of consumer habits have changed and societies change. It's just really crazy um, to think about where we were in two thousand four to where we are now.
0: So uh, I'm going to give you a broad question. And I'm, I'm going to ask you this: What are those consumer, you know, behaviors? How have they changed? How that you have noticed?
1: Well, the The main thing that we've noticed just with our material, you know, we used to put all of our material pretty much exclusively on our website. And that was where we reached people. Well, then, as I mentioned, you have tools come into place like Facebook, which in 2008 didn't have the same video capabilities they have now. So the main thing with us is you have to go where your fans are. You can't hope that they're going to find you. You need to go find them. So whatever outlet you have, whatever platform you have to go do that, Use it and use it to the best of your ability because if you're not doing it, somebody else is. Um, so that's where you know where website used, our website official website used to be the main place where people were finding our information and finding our content. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, it still gets a ton of traffic, but we're we are flooding the media market, if you will trying to get our stuff out of as many places as possible to try to reach our fans however we can. And they're reaching, you may have a faction of your fan base that's still going to your website every day to get the latest information. Well, there's a huge chunk of your fan base that's getting all those same stories on Facebook or they're accessing and finding them through Twitter or they're getting a push notification on their phone or they are seeing a picture on Instagram that leads us, leads them to a link in the bio or a link in the description that's gonna take them somewhere. You know? So there's just so many different ways now and it's become a challenge but the main thing, you know, I'll get back to is go where your fans are. Don't expect them to come find you. That's been the main thing uh, over the last ten years or so. Where it's changed, you have so many different outlets to reach them now, and you have no choice but to utilize all of them to find them and uh, give them what they want.
0: Yeah. So what's been that big challenge? Because you know, managing SIDcast, I'm only on Twitter and Facebook. I can't imagine what it's like being in a big time college athletic department. What's it like, you know, managing all those outlets? What are the biggest it's not challenges? Easy
1: sure yeah it's not easy the biggest the biggest issue is personnel to manage all that honestly so florida we have a social media manager that's part of our communications department which communications could be media relations right. sports information yeah. whatever you want to call it so we here in florida we call it the communications department so there's a social media manager and he's got a staff of three or four student interns every semester that help him out um and he work. there's also the individual sports information directors, members of the marketing team, members of the gay division team, we all work together on all of our social um, planning and and right. and social content. It's too much for one person to handle. Um, every athletic department does a little bit differently, but where we have a nice thing that we've built up here at Florida with a real collaborative approach where it's not just one person that, Um, controls access to all these different social accounts. And like I said, you know, you have some teenagers are all over Instagram and Snapchat, whereas maybe a little bit older people in your fan base are on Facebook and your website. So uh, from a social standpoint, um, you know, we may make one video that then we post direct to Facebook and Twitter, a portion of it to Instagram if it's longer than 60 seconds. We may make stuff specifically for an Instagram story or a Snapchat story. Um, So it's, it's a very collaborative approach. Personnel is the biggest challenge because to try to keep up with all those platforms and keep relevant, new and engaging content, all those places, it takes people and it takes time. And you have to have everybody buy in and work together to be able to make sure you're getting all the right things to all the right places.
0: I love discussions like this, but we are. I do have one more question before we get yeah. to our how-to podcast because I think that it can benefit people who are thinking about this. You know, you said you went from an entry level and you moved up to an administrative position. And I know I'm I'm covering a lot of years here, and this is probably a really broad question, but how would you suggest to somebody who's looking to make that move from an SID or a marketer into that administrative position, what are some things that they need to be doing?
1: Uh, Number one, don't be afraid to try new things. Um, You know, just because I came in with the background and skill set that I did didn't mean that I stuck just to what I knew. So I was always trying to ask, what else can I do? Can can I help with this? Can I just sit in the back of the room and listen in that meeting? Um, I was constantly asking my superiors, how can I learn more? How can I do more? How can I get better at my role? And that allowed me to be exposed to a lot of different things, not just in the day-to-day of editing a video or shooting something or creating a social account or whatever, but some of the business side of things, administrative side of things, learning about... You know, the, all the things you have to worry about from a political standpoint on a college campus, within athletics and academics. So just be open minded and be constantly trying to, without being a pest about it, yeah. asking how to do more, what more you can do to learn and do better um, and kind of enhance your skill set um, to make yourself more marketable in your current role, but also more marketable as you, whether it's moving up the ladder in your current location or trying to get a new and better job somewhere else. Um, just be as versatile as you can possibly be. I say the same thing to students who come through our program here at Florida. You know, Just because you're a telecom news major, meaning you're getting all your training on how to be a reporter, how to write, how to be on air, don't only learn that. Learn how to run a camera. Learn what the producer's doing. Learn what the master control operator's doing. Learn all different things so that when you get that degree and it's time to go find a job, you are not pegged into one specific area. No matter how badly you want to do it, you may have to use another skill set or another something that you know to get your foot in the door to ultimately end up where you want to be in an organization. So, um, like I said, just work really hard, take advantage of opportunities when you have them, don't be afraid to try new things, and luck comes into as well. I've been lucky as far as um, being at the right place at the right time, and um, people recognizing that you know the work that I was doing was good enough, where maybe I could be trusted with some more work. So. Um, but uh, that, that was all about timing as well. When opportunities presented themselves, I happened to be in the right spot at the right time. So don't discount luck either, uh, as far as, um, being a benefit or being a factor on top of all that hard work and knowledge and all that.
0: So, yeah, there, there's your little tidbit of information. Always good stuff. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to, if, are you, are you on the PowerPoint? I just kind of, yeah, ready to roll it up right now. So, um, yeah, so what's going to happen here, guys, is John and I are going to go through our PowerPoint that we presented at cosina and I thought this might be a good idea because we were just talking off air, John, that um, you know we only had 25 minutes, and then we'd look down at our phones, and we'd be 20 minutes in, and we might be on the second-to-last slide, and then we'd have people asking questions, but um, let's roll through this real fast, and I might as well just kind of phrase a couple of these as a question, so first one is how did you get the idea for gator tales
1: so i've been listening to podcasts for a little while um and we had kind of talked about just internally in in our gator department um it'd be cool to have a podcast but we didn't really pursue it because as mentioned a little while ago we're super busy with everything else we're already doing from a video standpoint radio etc um so we just saw it as one more thing but Um, then in the summer of 2015, my boss, Mike Hill, our executive senior associate athletics director for external (laughs) affairs, (sighs) uh, he asked me, you know, Hey, why, how, how much have we looked into starting a podcast, uh, internally? And I said, you know, we've talked about it. We just haven't figured out a great way to do it on top of everything else we're already doing. He's like, yeah, you know, my son. Uh, his teenage son said, why, why don't we have a Gators podcast? Dad? I listen to podcasts all the time. My friends listen to podcasts. We should have a podcast. And that was, oddly enough, kind of the thing that spurred us looking into it from a um, serious level. Uh, you know, obviously saw this was in a new and emerging and evolving platform, podcasting, and right. um, didn't really see many schools in the country that were doing it. Some had tried and stopped, um, weren't 100% sure why, but you know, when you looked around the country, there weren't very many people doing it. And, you know, we saw this as a way where we could kind of be a trendsetter and uh, dive in.
0: Yeah, and like you kind of mentioned earlier, um, you went where your fans were. I mean, did you find very many fans?
1: You know, initially, um, you know, believe it or not, actually, thinking back on the numbers, when we launched this thing in late August, early September of 2015, um, I think we had like a thousand or so Downloads that first show, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. We promoted it pretty heavily. We made sure, you know, again, we hit those, we hit Twitter and we hit Facebook, where all we have a huge number of followers, um, and that helped really create awareness. Um, we were promoting it heavily in kind of every, any avenue we could, um, so we had a pretty good listener base from the start, and we've just tried to grow it since then. Um, it was honestly a bit surprising to see that number from the start. And again, it doesn't, it's not a million listeners, but a thousand listeners for something yeah. brand new and a new platform. We really had no idea what to expect, so it really did exceed my expectations.
0: Well, what was different uh, as we keep going through our uh, PowerPoint here? From mm-hmm. year one to year two, what, what's been different?
1: So, um, I mean, first of all, you know, we, we, we went in with a plan from a content standpoint. You know, we talked about it. we just make it all football all the time obviously Florida football is hugely popular uh, amongst our fan base but we have a lot of really good sports so we said you know football can be a big driving force behind it but we have to talk about our other sports as well we have a lot of good um, teams and coaches and student athletes um, and accomplishments that we have to talk about and show off and celebrate so you know we, we went in with a content plan in year one um, where first of all we were targeting kind of a 25 minute or so um, length for the total episode, thinking that someone could consume that on their drive to work or their subway ride to work or whatever it might be, um, or break that up over two shorter commutes. Um, So we had a bunch of different short segments. You know, we would do do interviews. Our host, um, first of all, is uh, one of our radio announcers here at Florida. So he was looking to branch out, do a little bit more. So we brought him on board to kind of uh, build the podcast up. He hosts it, produces it every week. He does the majority of the interviews. Uh, we have some other folks help out with interviews as well. So he would do like an interview with a football player, let's say. And then one of our other radio guys would do an interview with an assistant coach. And then our Adam, our host, would do an interview with our radio play-by-play guy. And then our writers. And it was a bunch of little short segments that he was chopping, leaving a ton on the cutting room floor just to try to fit in that 25-minute uh, time frame. We'd occasionally get in, like take a feature story we did for television, and or the web, and turn that into an audio-only piece. Sometimes it worked better than others, mm-hmm. um, and it was well received. And we saw a huge listenership during football season. It it didn't fall off a cliff, but it decreased once we football season was over uh, in '15. And tried some different things through the spring, mixing in basket, men's basketball with women's basketball, with gymnastics with softball with baseball swimming and diving, track and field. I mean, every sport we have, for the most part, got some play on the podcast. Um, But football in the fall and men's basketball in the spring were really our main driving factors. Um, In the second year, we've um, focused less on trying to meet that shorter episode time
0: and
1: and trying to provide the best quality content possible. So instead of chopping up a 20-minute interview to make it fit a six-minute segment, and they run the whole 20-minute interview now to get good interview, and we're trying to do more interviews that are evergreen, uh, meaning if you listen to it three weeks later, it's still a good interview. You don't have to be listening in the moment when it happens. There is still some timely things involved in our podcast each week where we're talking about the news and notes of the moment, like what the baseball team's up to or what the softball team's up to or whatever it might be this time of year, but um, we also, when we do an interview, we're not just talking about hey, how was your performance in the first game of the College World Series? It's, you know, who are you? Why did you end up at Florida? What makes you tick? Tell me something about your background. What's next for you when baseball is done? I mean, all that type of thing where we really try to dive in and find the best stories and the best most interesting backgrounds and most interesting coaches and student athletes um, beyond just the X's and O's. Of the competition, so um, we still do. We get our our main voice of the Gators on every now and then to give his historic or current perspective on a sport or a team. Um, we are still doing a weekly kind of roundtable segment with our two in-house website um, writers, which has been really really cool because you can kind of jump around from topic to topic to topic. Um, where you get in, you may spend three minutes talking about the women's tennis team or winning the national championship as opposed to 20 minutes, but um, we've been able to get a lot of really cool things in. In fact, last week, um, as we record this, last week, one of the main interviews on the podcast is with our men's track and field uh, head coach because they just won the national title, as I previously referenced, a couple weeks ago, And uh, but that interview was not so much about what this team did this year. It's you know uh, what makes him the coach that he is and what's his philosophy behind building his program over the last 10, 15 years, et cetera. So um, it's been really interesting. And, and, you know, we also have been able to get some kind of more high-profile guests on this year, like our athletic director. Our our, our last athletic director retired back in the fall. Um, he came on once or, uh, one time before he left kind of, retrospective of his career yeah. and then our new athletic director Scott Strickland since he joined in November he's been on two or three times talking about just the latest going on you know that first one was kind of getting to know you and then since then he's come on and given some updates on things going on in Gator Nation and with the facilities and uh, coaches and programs and things like that and we've got a couple other interviews kind of sitting in the can right now so when baseball winds down we'll be able to extend the life of the podcast into the summer a little further than we did in the first year so kind of jumped around all over the place there but we've been kind of experimental with our our content uh, as far as the different lengths of how we approach the interviews uh, with the, those various subjects and things like that
0: how important is it to, to like you said you had your new ad uh, strickland excuse me uh, come on! How important is it to get uh, your administration higher up involved in something like this?
1: Well, I think it just adds credibility and legitimacy to your to what you're doing. Um, to show that this is an outlet um, that is important enough to our athletic director, the top of the food chain, um, was really cool for us. Um, just for, you know, kind of validated what we were doing. And he actually uh, he came on that first time, and then he asked about coming back on for a repeat visit um you know earlier this spring so um he's, he it's a cool format and unique and different format for them to be able to sit down just one other individual and just really have a free-flowing conversation like you and i are having about what's going on it's not standing at a podium
0: yeah.
1: um it's not 20 people gather around with microphones and recorders in your face it's a more relaxed environment where you can still cover some it's interesting and important topics, but in a um, maybe more relaxed conversational setting. Um, and it lends itself really well to our athletic director, for instance. There's a lot of athletic directors that use various ways to communicate with their fan bases, whether it's through emails, um, video messages, you know, letters in the newspaper, whatever it might be. But um, our guy Scott Strickland is, you know, all about. Uh, new and innovative things, and podcast falls into that category. So he was excited to come on. He'll be back on many times.
0: Um, you know, we've mentioned this before. Your baseball teams at the College World Series, but what what's your guys' process when, like I said, you just had a big victory yesterday? Um, what's your guys' process? Like you said, you got to keep it evergreen, but you also mm-hmm. want to you know talk about that sort of moment type of thing. So what what is your process for getting coaches and players through uh, you know national championships?
1: Sure. And that's where we try to have to, you know, we plan out, uh, we have a calendar of this is what we're at least intending yeah. to include on a podcast in a particular week. So it's easy during football season. You have a game every week so you can have that less evergreen content of talking about what happened the past week, what's happening in practice that week, what's coming up in the game that week. Um, and then you mix that in with some evergreen content with an interview with an assistant coach and with a player. Um, to keep things you know somebody wants to go back and listen to the interview with the wide receiver or the running back or the defensive end you can do all that Um, so we do have a content calendar that the host uh, I trust him uh, to kind of put that together on a week and monthly basis Um, he'll run that by me and I give my input and um, obviously you have to be fluid enough where you can change if you need to uh, based on the news of the moment, if a new if a coach gets hired or a flight director gets hired or whatever yeah. it might be, you may switch that up a little bit. But uh, we do have a content calendar that we work off of uh, where we plan out, uh, all right, this week the focus is going to be baseball. And then this week we're going to do uh, just a long-form interview with our basketball coach looking back on the season and um, – it's important to kind of have that plan so you're not, you don't get to Monday every week and say, shoot, what are we going to talk about on the podcast this week? We do stick with the same day for release. I should have mentioned that. We target Thursday morning to release our podcast every single week. So, whether it's football season, basketball season, um, there's time to kind of listen and digest everything before that weekend of activity is going on. Um, and we try to keep the content relevant to the sports that are in season as well.
0: So how, how, what's the best way to promote it? You say that you uh, release it on Thursday mornings, but how do you mm-hmm. push it to your fans?
1: So it usually gets posted uh, to SoundCloud, iTunes, etc. Um, as early as, I don't know, midnight, uh, Thursday, Thursday morning. And then uh, sometimes it's 3 a.m. whenever it gets finished, right? So yeah. uh, immediately we hit, hit it with Twitter. Um, there's a Facebook page we have for the podcast. We post uh, the info there as well. Occasionally, it'll get repurposed that same Facebook post or a separate Facebook post on our uh, primary Florida Gators Facebook page. Um, It gets promoted in every radio broadcast with readers that the announcers have coming back from commercial break. Check out the Gator Tales podcast, available every Thursday morning uh, via FloridaGators.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, your favorite podcast uh, application. So um, it's a combination of, you know, we put a release on our website. Mentions in venue at sporting events, you know, you may be sitting in a timeout during a basketball game and our PA announcer makes an announcement about it that's accompanied by a graphic on the video board. So uh, we truly, really try to promote it in a variety of ways. And then we try new things, too. You know, recently we started grabbing a 30-second soundbite from the podcast, marrying that to uh, a moving graphic with the Gator Tales logo where you see some sound waves moving. So yeah. we could say, you know, hey, check out this week on Gator Tales, hear what Kevin O'Sullivan of Gator Baseball has to say about their chances in Omaha, and then there's a 30 second audio clip that's married to that um, on the post. So, you know, you just we've tried a lot of different things. Um, creating awareness can be a challenge, and then the big thing you referenced this earlier on, as far as ratings and reviews and things like that, that goes a long way to helping people discover your podcast. You know, one of the driving forces as well behind starting our podcast was to differentiate ourselves from some of the quote unquote, unofficial podcasts that were out there covering the Florida Gators where you had legitimate people doing them and legitimate organizations yeah. doing them, but they didn't have that same access. So, you know, by, we say it every single episode, leave us a review, please leave us a rating because that helps, as you mentioned, people discover your podcast. And so when they go to iTunes and they type in Florida Gators, Gator Tales is going to be that first thing that shows up on the list in the search results. We want that.
0: Yeah, I I I don't know if I could how much more I can emphasize that rating and reviewing is very important. Uh, wink, wink. Um, so, what about some analytics that you've had for Gator Tales? So,
1: as mentioned, you know, we when we dove in, the numbers were actually um, pretty good from the start. Checking back over like our top fifty episodes, and at this point, we're up into the I think upper eighties as far as the number of episodes we've done uh, yeah. in the last two years. I want to say. This week it'll be episode 87 so anyway um all of them have at least 750 downloads or listens um the top episode that i was able to find via soundcloud was 1927 so just shy of 2000 um the analytics with podcasts are not as robust as they are for some other media platforms like video for instance um, or if you post a video to youtube or facebook or twitter you have some really um, good analytics you can dive into. Um, this, the analytics available for podcasting at the moment are not amazing. You know, at least with SoundCloud, which we use for our hosting, we can get some uh, fairly comprehensive analytics as far as um, where you know how many people listen, where they're listening from, um, what else are they listening to, how did they get to the podcast? Are they listening through um, a third-party app? Are they listening directly on SoundCloud? Are they listening? an embedded audio player on a website somewhere so um you can get a little bit of that uh via SoundCloud um in their pro accounts uh but you know what we were are really interested in is are people skipping ahead where are they skipping right. ahead where do they stop listening um you know are they lis- are they listening to the interview and then skipping ahead to the um interview with our writers whatever it might be this is not something that's readily available right now but based on some recent announcements from apple specifically they're adding that capability to their analytics in the new podcast app which is going to come out in ios 11 in the fall so really looking forward to that i think it'll give us a lot more information um and not necessarily direction but will influence our direction and how we approach how we're producing these podcasts and what we're including and what's working what's not working um so that's what, And we're constantly asking for feedback as well via email and Twitter and Facebook and things like that. But just to be able to see those analytics and when people are dropping off, are they making it to the end, et cetera, um, that'll be really interesting to see. So uh, we do the most with, that we can with analytics, and that's where we see, all right, if we promoted it with uh, a, a post on our main Facebook page, how does that affect the listenership versus the previous two weeks when we didn't do that, things like that
0: uh before uh, like you said there's a new app coming out for ios 11 on exactly the things that we can't tell right now i mean you're right i can't tell you when you guys stop listening it could be right now but um yeah but um how hard is it to approach sponsorships and advertisement from that perspective without those analytics
1: Sure, and that's where you know we've spoken with our multimedia rights holders several times over the last two years, and I would love to have a sponsor on the podcast but the main thing that they um, ask is well how many people listen each week right and I can give them that to a degree, but there's even conflicting info out there as to whether or not when somebody listens via the podcast app on Apple is it actually counting towards your uh, your those numbers in SoundCloud that are being right. tracked, so there's it's it's a mystery out there, which is frustrating because all that the rights holder cares about is how many people are listening. Well, if I can get that sponsorship information out to those two thousand people every week, that's still two thousand more people than maybe we're going to get it initially, right? So, um, I think there's a market there, but using those analytics to see, um, you know, is it, if the number is that drastically more during football season versus basketball season, well, maybe they could get two people to sponsor it in, in the fall and then just one sponsor to have it during the spring, you know, make it worth their while. Um, and then maybe it changes the content that we're doing in the podcast. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if people are listening, if, if we have two-thirds of the podcast about football and one-third about um, women's basketball, did we lose, what, what percentage of the audience did we lose when it switched from football to women's basketball? And um, that to be able to provide that type of information to our rights holder who then can then turn around and hopefully find sponsorship, Um, they can say, yeah, you have a huge football audience and it's all listeners from age 13 to 34. That's the type of thing that as these analytics or podcasts kind of build out a little bit more will be really useful for us from a content perspective but for our rights holder from a potential sponsorship standpoint.
0: It's pretty difficult right now, but hopefully it will change in the fall. Should I go through SIDcast slides? I I don't know. I feel like you've provided more than enough. Let's go to uh, selecting Get Interviews. Or selecting an interviewing guest. Excuse sure. me. Sure. Um, be smart and selective with interview choices. I mean, like you said, coaches, writers, uh, things of that nature. Uh, from your standpoint, so. And most people are listening to this not because they want to start an SID podcast, but because they want to start a podcast for their athletic department. So, um, what kind of selecting process do you guys have?
1: Sure, and, and that's where um, we've evolved a little bit from year one to year two. Last year, um, we basically just went for the most high-profile people we could possibly get on the podcast. And then oftentimes, like all our eggs were in one basket, and then somebody wasn't available, and we were scrambling to try to get somebody to fill in their place, or we were, had to skip the interview entirely and fill it with some other content where you just had – roundtable discussion or talking heads or whatever it might be that wasn't that engaging or interesting. So this year we've shifted where, yeah, if we can get the high-profile person, awesome. And we fought really hard to get some of our guests onto the show. Um, some of those podcasts actually have not even come out yet with some of those higher-profile guests. Um, but we've, we've shifted into trying to find the best story. So it may not be the most high-profile baseball player or basketball player or football player, but that person is a really good speaker, has a really good story. And that's what makes a good interview. So we're looking for the better stories and backgrounds, not necessarily the most accomplished people um, that we can talk to. And then when we approach um, the interviews with our coaches, yeah, we may touch a little bit on, you know, what's going on. Is it in season? Is it after the season? Is it before the season? And there is a little bit of discussion of the X's and O's, if you will. But there's also, all we try to have the majority of the discussion about um, other things and diving into... What makes them a good coach? What's made them successful? How they got here? Because um, we have a variety, We have some coaches that have been here twenty years. We have some coaches that have been here two months. You know, so yeah. um, getting a chance to meet all those people through this platform is pretty cool.
0: Let's see. Taxi- and then there's
1: also I'll add too, Dave. Sorry, just you know, being an internal podcast, we have some advantages with the access that maybe an external. Podcast covering the Florida Gators wouldn't have. So we're fortunate that we can work directly with our communications team um, to get access to some of these people that they may not even make available to an outside entity. And we don't feel bad about that. Um, you know, we are we're in house, so I'm not going to feel bad if I get access to somebody that an outside entity doesn't get access to. Yeah, we want that. We want to be able to have that access. We want to take advantage of that and be able to talk with people um, that maybe not everybody gets to talk to on the same level that we do. So um, that's where we can really add value and, and and show value in our podcast each week is, hey, you maybe got three minutes with this kid at a podium on Monday. Well, here's a 20-minute interview where you're going to find out a lot more and not just hear about why they're being successful um, running the ball uh, in the game. You're going to find a lot, yeah. a lot more out about them.
0: Yeah, I'll add to this a little bit. Uh, be yourself and find your voice was a point that we had, and that's something that I think is really, really important. You know, a lot of people have a kind of this perception of what a broadcaster or what a, like, a radio host should sound like, you know, and, and you don't want to, like, I mean, I don't want to really impersonate anybody, but you know what I'm talking about, that, that kind of, like, stereotypical radio announcer. You don't do that. I mean John and I are just we're just talking to each other right now. That that's about as as much as it needs to go and a less formal conversation is okay. okay. Um, yeah, and like John said, he keeps a grassroots and I'm about to ask him about a bar recommendation here in a couple <laughs> minutes. So I mean that, that uh, I mean you can't do that, but um yeah, it's as, far true. as
1: But it, you're, you're but you're 100% right. And this is something we talked about in Orlando at Cosita to our group there, you know. It's been amazing to see how much more comfortable a lot of our interview subjects have been in this setting,
0: yeah.
1: instead of at a podium or as part of a big media gaggle, whatever they're the typical interview scenario that they're used to. Getting them in that comfortable setting and letting them know before you hit record, "Hey, this is informal. This is fun. Loosen up." You have guys who have stood at a podium and seem as uncomfortable as humanly possible, you get them in this setting and they're 180 degrees difference. It's just, it's been amazing to see and you get some really, really good interviews as a result. So, um, like you said, you know, be co- make it comfortable, be yourself, less formal is okay. Like that's totally fine. You're hundred percent right. Um, because you're going to get better. Th- this is a platform where you don't have to be hundred percent formal, um, to make it a quality product.
0: Uh, let's move on to tech support And I'll kind of jump on this one real fast A smartphone is more than enough to get started I, I'm not. I'm being serious when I say That when people ask me What are you recording on What kind of equipment do you have You're listening to this podcast Because I put my phone on the speaker of my laptop Like that's, that's more than enough I'm recording it on the voice memos app And then John's up here on Skype And then I upload it to Google Drive And then I upload it to SoundCloud Which in turn, you know, there's a lot of other things with that hosting. But, um, John, you guys have a little bit more equipment. Uh, real quick, can you run through some of that?
1: Sure. So Adam Schick is our um, radio guy who's our, also our producer and host of our Gator Tales podcast on a weekly basis. So he has access to some radio equipment that makes it a little bit easier to end up with a higher quality sounding audio as part of the podcast. So he's got a small mixer. He's got a couple headsets that he uses on broadcasts which can in turn be used for a podcast interview. Um, But he has many times utilized um, methods like you're using today, David, where he's in one place and the guest is in another place where he um, calls somebody up on Skype or on FaceTime audio on the iPhone or iPad and then takes an output uh, via the headphone jack of that device and plugs that into the mixer. So that's like a a source into the mixer to give it kind of a little bit higher quality but like you said you know and, and there, are, there are also apps out there that you know will not only record the audio but they can record phone call conversations don't use this in a shady way but you can record phone call conversations you can record yeah. audio out of um the app itself so um you know if you want to add an external microphone and plug that in if you're interviewing the, the subject in person You don't have to just use your cell phone um, and the microphone in there. You can get an external microphone for nominal price on Amazon or many other um, outlets on the internet and you plug that into your phone and you have a little bit higher quality audio then. And um, there's a lot of different things out there from a technical standpoint to give you good sounding audio. Um, The key is just what are you trying to do with that audio? You're trying to add music if so, you can, you know, use the music library that maybe your video team is using on campus. Or you can download some free stock music. Um, if you just honestly Google, you know, free stock music library or free production music, um, you will find several resources online that people have made available to use, you know, different audio loops and sounds and, and uh, soundtracks and things like that. And then uh, from an editing standpoint, there's different levels and... Um, You know, there's a program called Audacity, which is a free program. Um, It's what we use here at Florida for our podcast. A lot of different tools, plenty of tools for putting a good podcast together. Adobe Audition is part of the Adobe Creative Suite, um, and that is a, you know, there's a fee associated with that, but if you already have access to the Creative Suite in your day-to-day job, um, you know, Adobe Audition is another audio program that's really good um, and certainly provides everything you need to put a podcast together.
0: Uh, as far as hosting goes, we're both on SoundCloud. Is that your official host?
1: It is, yep. And then we explored a couple different options when we were diving into this. We didn't have a ton of knowledge, so there's a lot of research and Googling and things like that to try to figure out the best way to do it. You know, Did we put it straight to iTunes or did we put it straight to Stitcher or whatever it was? And we figured out that SoundCloud really offered the best flexibility where we upload the audio file. Just the SoundCloud every week, uh-huh. and then it pushes out from there to all the other platforms like iTunes, a, aka Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher, and any other podcast apps that might be out there where people are consuming that content.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, that was you know the bulk of our presentation. But I'm curious. So a couple of people came up and asked you questions. They came up and asked me questions okay. afterwards. So, what were some? Were there any other questions that you got after? Uh, the presentation was over that could, you know, pertain to, you know, making a podcast here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that just, you know, a lot of the questions we got, I got during and after the presentations were technical related. Yeah. Um, I, I know the question came up of, you know, how do you attack it from a personnel standpoint? And as I mentioned, you know, several minutes ago, it was a bit daunting to try to figure out, all right, who on our current staff, with all their other responsibilities, whether it was in our communications department or our GatorVision video department, who was gonna take this on as a project. Um, it just got, you know, coincidentally, we got lucky. Our One of our radio guys was looking to branch out and do a little bit more, and um, I presented this to him. And he said, absolutely, no hesitation. Um, so we're fortunate in that we have somebody who is not a full-time employee of our department, but is closely aligned and closely associated with our department and our program on the whole, um, who was excited about doing this and really has, it's his baby. You know, he, yeah. he bur- bursted in 2015 and it's a toddler now. So it's continuing to grow and uh, we're fortunate in that way. But shoot, I mean, if you have a, somebody on your media relations team who's trying to do something new and has can have decent conversational skills and this is something they could add to their arsenal, or if you have a writer for your website um, or a radio guy or gal yeah. who wants to, you know, do something different, do something new, it's not crazy difficult to do something like this. It's a no matter how much production value you're trying to incorporate. Um, but there's not like a rule book you have to follow. And that's what's one of the nice things about podcasts.
0: Yeah. But the personnel
1: thing and how you attack it from a personnel standpoint was probably the most common
0: question I got. Uh, I just got a more little technical stuff. Um, I got a lot of the do you really use your phone? type of thing like i I literally just set my process phone voice memo skype Google Drive soundcloud that's that's my order I've I've, ad- I've added a Adobe audition into that since you said it I do have access to the creative suite um I will say about a personnel type of thing you could probably try your campus radio or your campus um I mean just make a call out I'm sure that there's somebody out there that that's getting really big into podcasts I know that podcasting's been around for a while. But I would say it's becoming increasingly popular, you know, as as months go on. So I think that there's a real, real avenue and a real outlet that uh, uh, most athletic departments can definitely explore. So Not that
1: um, and, it, and it doesn't have to be. You know, we do ours weekly, and we try to hit the same day every week, um, with a couple exceptions. But um, there's no nothing saying you have to have a weekly podcast. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of super popular podcasts that come out the same day, same time, every single week. And then there's others where it may come out Monday at two and then Tuesday at four and skip Wednesday and come another one Thursday. So there's no, that's, again, there's, there's no rule book of how it has to work. Um, if you did it monthly, if you did it every two weeks, every three weeks, that's okay. Um, but once you start, try to keep it going. Don't be discouraged by low listening numbers. The more you do them, the more you can kind of build that audience up, create awareness. Um, the better it'll be. We've seen gradual increases in our numbers over the last two years and we hope and expect that it'll continue to grow as we move into year three.
0: Yeah, so John, I'm gonna start asking you some uh, fun questions I like to ask everybody. Are you ready? All right. What I'm ready? What is your horror story? With the podcast or with anything within your athletic with department?
1: Anything. Holy cow. I've been here a long time, Dave. This is a tough one.
0: There can be multiple. I have multiple. Right.
1: Oh, my gosh. I definitely I've have tried to block points. most of these out of my memory.
0: <laughs> I would say this. I'll say uh, as part of How To Podcast Wi-Fi connection, I've had a <laughs> lot of calls dropped. Um, that would be my horror story because I feel like I owe people, owe the people, uh, Kelvin, <clears throat> uh, a lot because of your call kept dropping over and over and over again. So th- those are definitely my horror stories, and make sure you have a LAN connection. But uh, hey, what I, about you? I,
1: um, you know, I... I've I've gotten to experience some really great moments here at Florida, and I've tried to focus on those and keep those front of mind and my memories. And all there are many. There's always a crisis. There's always some fire to put out. Uh, Maybe not so much this time of year as the athletic season is essentially over. Um, But there have been plenty of those oh crap moments where. um, uh, Here's one. Here's one. So there was a football game um, four or five years ago. It was a second home game of the season and an hour before the game the video boards would not work in the swamp yeah in a 90,000 seed stadium i think we were playing tennessee oh and an hour before the game the video boards were not working um and somehow by the grace of i don't know what and some luck and some awesome engineers we got the things working i think like 27 minutes before the game started. So, um, that would have been a really, really bad one to have uh, such a high profile game and have dark video boards the entire time. So, yeah. that was one of those ones where you're like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen uh, if we can't get these things on? But, you know, at a place like Florida, there's so much going on that there's, like I said, there's always some sort of crisis or issue you got to deal with. Eventually, you just kind of get used to it and you just roll with the punches.
0: Um, what, what's one thing you're interested about to learn more, well, to learn more about in this profession?
1: Um, something I've started exploring a little bit in the last year is virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, you see a lot of programs using it from like a coaching standpoint, particularly football where they can, um, you know, they get extra reps for the quarterbacks and things like that using VR. But, um, what will... How will VR and AR kind of continue to evolve and what role will it play in college sports um, where your budgets maybe aren't as gigantic as professional sports who have done a lot more with virtual reality at this time? There's a few schools out there who are dabbling in VR and we do some 360 video stuff. I mean, there's some, you can do that fairly inexpensive, but if you really want to do cool, neat, innovative, unique things with virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, there's obviously a market for it, particularly some of that next generation of Gator fans. Uh Um, So that's something to me that I think we'll continue to look at um, as one of those next things that we add to our um, arsenal here at Florida. Uh,
0: One piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession?
1: I touched on a little bit earlier, but just be as versatile as possible. Don't just know how to do one thing. Um, I know you want to be the next great sideline reporter on ESPN, but there's only so many of those jobs available. What else can you do? How else can you get involved working at ESPN? Um, so just become as versatile as possible. Um, work hard, um, don't be afraid of trying new things and new challenges, um, it, it will benefit you. You may try it and hate it, that's fine, you tried it. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I try to tell our students all the time. It's not that you know, your classwork is important um, and your grades matter. But what, in my opinion, matters even more when you're in your collegiate experience is what experience are you getting hands-on in the area that you want to pursue professionally. So it doesn't just go for media, and uh, whether it's media relations or it's uh, doing video production or radio play-by-play. It, no matter what your field is, um, get hands-on experience however you can while you're in school, whether it's through working on campus or a summer internship or a fall internship, whatever it might be. Get that hands on experience because that's going to go a lot further when it comes time to find a job than the grade you got in such and such class. What's your work life balance? What do you do to have fun? So, I've actually gotten a lot better with this over the years. When I was younger, um, I was just working all the time, and it was, you know, I lived in the office and went home and microwaved a meal and watched some TV and went to bed and did it all again this next day. But I actually just got married in. uh, early May. So
0: congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So I've got a wife and I've got two dogs and a cat. So, uh, you know, I love just going home and hanging out with, uh, my wife and the kids, if you will, um, (laughs) and, uh, travel a little bit. Um, Gainesville is a cool area. We're within two hours of Orlando, Tampa and Jacksonville. So if you want to go check out one of the big cities, if you will, we can go do that. Um, we're within an hour and a half of the beach in either direction, either the East Coast or West Coast of Florida. Um, so if we want to have a beach day, we can go do that. But Gainesville's great too. I mean, there's plenty to do here. There's cool nature things to do. There's um, you know plenty of cultural things to do. Good restaurants. Um, campus is awesome. It's I mean it's a university town, but there's more going on in Gainesville than just the university, which is nice. So um, I don't live that exciting a life, but when I do have free time, it's hanging out with uh, with the wife and kids, and uh, traveling is probably our favorite thing to do, and we can find the time. And sometimes traveling with the dogs. We're, we're, those, we're those crazy people that pack the dogs up into the car and take them with us.
0: <laughs> that sounds like the life. But um, next time someone's in Gainesville, because Gainesville is on my, uh, the swamp is on my uh, list of places to go. Bar or restaurant recommendations, where they need to go, bud?
1: All right, so let's start with the food. Um... You got to go to the top downtown. It's a, kind of a Gainesville institution now. Really good food, really good drinks, really good atmosphere. Um, to me, kind of like a quintessential Gainesville spot. A great, great, great pizza place called Satchel's Pizza. Uh, it's on the east side of town. Uh, it's actually been featured like on ESPN when they've come to town before to do games. Started by a guy named Satchel, who's like Gainesville native. Just he is Gainesville, and the place is super cool, super unique. His art is all over it. He's got an old VW bus parked out front, which well. he's converted into. He put a table inside of it, uh, and I've actually eaten before in the bus. Um, and you can you know get your pizza in there. So that place is super, super cool. Satchels. Um, the spot that my wife and I love going to, if we're having like a date night, there's a place called Manuel's Vintage Room. A little spot that's uh, in downtown Gainesville. Been here probably 15, 20 years. Um, 10, 15 tables max. You like feel like you're been transported to like New York City or something. You mm. forget you're in Gainesville. Our second, food's really good. Atmosphere is really cool. Um, and there's shoot, there's plenty of cool college places around town. Pizza places, burger places. There's a spot right across from campus called the Swamp. Not to be confused with the stadium, but the Swamp restaurant. Um, right across from campus. I went to it all the time when I was in college. I still go there. I was just there last week for lunch with somebody. Um, so that's a cool spot right by campus. That's kind of one of those institutions uh, in Gainesville. So from a, a bar standpoint, I already, you know, the top has really good drinks. The Swamp is a cool spot to go drink. We have some craft breweries in Gainesville, which is really mm. cool. So yeah. there's a place called Swamphead. That was the first craft brewery to uh, open up in Gainesville several years ago. Since then, there's another brewery called First Magnitude, which opened up. Both these places have really cool tasting rooms and indoor/outdoor setups where you can go hang out with your family, friends, take your dogs, um, check, you know, drink their beers. They have beers on tap from other places as well, as well around the state of Florida. And there's actually two other craft breweries that have recently opened up in the last six months. In fact, one like just opened their doors this past weekend um, in Gainesville. So the, the craft brewery brewery scene is really growing around Gainesville. Um, there's, uh, some, some spots, uh, downtown in Gainesville where you can grab some good drinks and good times. Um, dragonflies, like a sushi place with a great bar. Um, there's some, there's no shortage of places to fill your time. And if you're, if you're a student like yourself and you come down to Gainesville for a good time, there's an area called Midtown right by campus where all the cool kids hang out. Um, (laughs) I do not frequent these establishments, but all the uh, the students of the University of Florida, it's their spot. So there's like five, six, seven different bars and clubs in that, in that area that are happening places Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights.
0: I, I, I may be a student, but I can't really do late-night stuff. <laughs> I, I get tired about 9 o'clock. I'm tired right now. But um, <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcasting uh show if I didn't ask you what's your favorite podcast besides Gator Tales or S I D because I know my I'm favorite, your favorite.
1: Obviously, <laughs> my favorite podcast um, is How I Built This. It's an NPR podcast hosted by Guy Raz or Raz. Um, I always mess it up, but anyway, he, it's a fairly new podcast started in the last year year and a half, where Guy interviews people who have started. Um, it's entrepreneurs who have started oh, yeah? different businesses throughout the course of mostly American history. So, you know, he's interviewed the, like the other day, I listened to the interview with the guy who started Whole Foods before they got bought by Amazon. Um, he did interview a long interview with Mark Cuban. He interviewed the people that started Airbnb, Warby Parker, Tom's Shoes, um, Sam Adams, the guy that started Sam Adams, the guy that started Patagonia. The woman who started dry bar i mean so he you know the list goes on and on and on of all the different people he talks to it's super interesting to kind of hear where these people came from how their businesses got started every single story is different there are some elements that are the same from podcast to podcast including luck how many of these entrepreneurs who are now amazingly successful said luck played a role in their success but um that's the one um that if i have time and, and make time to listen to a podcast that's the one that i go to first and foremost how i built this from npr
0: okay cool so um how can how can anybody listen to gator tales
1: so gator tales you can check it out at florida com slash gator tales uh that's where we have uh information about the podcast links to go subscribe on the platform of your choice plus embedded audio from soundcloud where you can listen to it right there on the page um you could also subscribe to it on apple podcasts um stitcher is another popular platform uh google play so there's a bunch of different ways to get it um if you start at FloridaGators.com slash GatorTales, all one word, uh, you'll find it there, front and center.
0: What about you personally, if anybody had any questions?
1: Uh, if you want to reach me, uh, you can uh, tweet me at J-O-N underscore R-U-B-I-N. Uh, my email address you can find on FloridaGators.com. Um feel free to reach out to me. Uh, anyway, my name is John Rubin, J-O-N-R-U-B-I-N. No H in John um, and no E in Rubin. So <laughs> and it's not Rubin like the sandwich. So that's a question I always get. Oh, Rubin like the sandwich.
0: <laughs> well, yes, <No. laughs> but it's spelled
1: differently. Yes, so, no, it's um, not. <laughs> fun fact, I didn't have a Rubin sandwich in my life till like two years ago. Oh, wow. Um, oddly enough. But anyway, I digress. So uh, you know, always happy to help people out. Um if you're getting started and or want to get started with this, um, you know, try to lend some expertise. Happy to put you in touch with uh Adam Schick, who's our again our host and producer of the Gator Tales podcast. He loves it, um and has he listens to podcasts regularly and has taken a lot of the things he's learned from other podcasts and incorporated it into ours. So uh, we're happy to help. We're not, you know, it's not our proprietary secret sauce that we've got here with Gator Tales. Uh, it's an experiment for us as well. It's constantly evolving and we're more than happy to help others try to get started or kind of hone their, their craft and, and improve their current podcast that they may have going.
0: Alright, John. Thank you for coming on.
1: My pleasure, man. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for giving me the opportunity.
0: Hey, no problem. Uh, doing some, again, outro stuff. I gotta do it. always have to do it. Everybody has to do it. But um, thank you all for listening to this episode, downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing. We've mentioned it, I don't know, 10, 15 times it feels like throughout this do entire it. episode. Just do it, man. Um, a five star or, or four. Five or fours are great, but if you want to give me, give me a one, I'm going to have to call you. But, um, again, you can always follow us on social media using backslash sportsinfocast. And, again, we are doing a push to 500 subscribers on both Twitter and and Facebook. Facebook, you're uh, catching up to Twitter. Twitter, you need to step up your game. Uh, so, if anybody's liking on Facebook hasn't followed on Twitter or vice versa, uh, go ahead and do that, because that helps out a whole lot. So, that way we can you know, grow our family and grow our audience. Um, so, yeah. Um, be sure to look out for our new podcast coming out in August. Go Big Cast. It will be focused on athletic marketing, which is we kind of touched on it a little bit, John, earlier. Which is, again, love those discussions, but That's why I have another show for it. So uh, looking forward to that. So thank you all for listening. I hope to see you all in the next episode.